Good morning, Sharon, and welcome to the Low Carb Paleo Show. Good morning. So happy to be here. It's our pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. Can't complain at all. Can't complain. I heard that before. You did? Yeah. <laughs> in, in our last 130 shows. Well, there's no point complaining because no one listens. So, you know. That's right. That's why I can't. All right. Back to the start of the show, Sharon. Um, I was lucky to come across your great bone broth at the 2019 Paleo FX event. And um, I really like them. So I asked you to uh, come on our show. And there you are. Um, so you are a clinical nutritionist and nutritional therapy practitioner and GAPS practitioner as and the founder of Bonafide Provisions. Can you give us uh, your background before Bonafide, your professional background? And uh, well, let's see. I uh, I was really a, a mom. I mean, I think it's we should always start there. Um, and my professional life was pretty much put on hold. I was raising my children. I had a uh, a business degree that I wasn't typically uh, utilizing in the home. Um, and uh, that's kind of really what, how, where I was when I started uh, this process of uh, finding bone broth. Um, once I found the healing effects of bone broth, I then went back to school. I became a clinical nutritionist, a nutritional therapist, and a GAPS practitioner. And I opened up a practice here in San Diego, and I worked with patients all over the United States, helping them uh, heal through food and showing them how to utilize food in their, their healing program. And at my peak of my nutrition practice, I had a four-month wait list to work with me. Okay. Can you tell us about your son? Sure, I'd love to. Because so, he's really the reason why you got into this, right? He's, he's, he's the blame on all of this, for sure. Uh, so we have three children, and our middle son, who's 20 years old now, uh, when he was six months old, he developed his first sinus infection. And so 20 years ago, we did what most moms did in the United States, and I took him to the conventional pediatrician and they put him on his first round of antibiotics. And he pretty much stayed on some form of antibiotics for the first six years of his life on and off. Wow. Uh, he had chronic sinus infections, ear infections, respiratory infections. He had to have breathing treatments, albuterol, steroids. And by the time he was six months old, he had probably been on nearly 24, 25 rounds of antibiotics. And when he was six years old, we went to a back-to-school night where you get to meet the teacher and discover all of the wonderful things that the children will be doing their school, for their school year. And the teacher pulled me aside and said, your son, Blake, is a, a nice young man, but I see that he exhibits signs of ADD. And, you know, in my experience, it's better to put them on medication early. It's easier for the teachers, the families, and the students around the children. And so you probably need to start 
exploring that route with this little guy and get him on some form of focusing medication, Ritalin or something like this. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. So I knew, you know, I knew enough that what we were doing wasn't working. And I know it's hard for the younger generation to think, wow, why didn't this mom clue in that, you know, six years of this and it isn't working, but there wasn't a lot of information, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have an encyclopedia at our fingertip. And so, you know, I really was just doing what the good doctor said to do. And the doctor really, you know, their word was often gospel um, back then. And so I, um, I decided that night that I needed to do something different and it needed to be drastic and what we were doing wasn't working. And I was going to just do something very unconventional. So I pulled him out of school that night and decided I was going to homeschool him. And I decided that I would do some research and I actually there was some information on the internet I went to the library believe it or not Mm -hmm. and I came across this concept of healing through food and that you could heal through food and then as I delved in a little deeper I came across uh, bone broth and Mm -hmm. that people all over the world have used some type of bone broth um, for healing you know it's that chicken soup is good for the soul mentality Um, And I didn't know the science behind it, but I had read some of Weston A. Price's teachings and I thought, okay, there's, there's got to be something here. And so I started cooking everything from scratch. I threw everything out of the pantry um, and I started incorporating bone broth into everything that I made for him. I, I snuck it into smoothies. I sauteed vegetables with it. I braised meats with it. So by the end of a, a day, he had, you know, a few good servings of bone broth in his diet. And within three months, uh, we started to see some really drastic changes in him. The first being that it was the first time in a three month period since he was six months old, that he wasn't on a round of antibiotics. Right. And so six months went by and then nine months went by. And within a year's time, we had completely reversed all of his symptoms and healed him using food. Mm. that's great and uh, you know of course in those days bone broth was not the rage it is now so you were you were ahead of the game there very ahead of the game and in fact we had a challenge finding and sourcing good bones you know we would go to the butcher the local butcher and we would ask them or meat department whatever you want to call it and ask them for bones and they would have to source bones for us that were grass-fed or pasture raised and certainly there wasn't a bone broth on the market that you could purchase right Um, and that's really kind of how it evolved into to you know owning a, a bone broth company was simply the need to to create a bone broth that met my standards that was just like you made at home hmm. and sell so, it at the retail level. But that's a big step to take from uh, doing bone broth at home and making a business out of it. How did, how did that come about? Yeah, that was a big step. Um, a lot of layers there. So when, my, when I healed my son, I, as I said, I was a stay-at-home mom. And I decided that I had this passion for this. I was the crazy mom in the grocery store that was talking to moms that had, you know, baskets full of junk food. And I would share with them my, my discovery. And I found that I had such a passion to speak truth 
um, to as many people as I could. So that's when I went back to school and I, uh, I became a, a GAPS practitioner, a clinical nutritionist and uh, a nutritional therapist. And as I continued to grow my practice, uh, I found that people were very challenged. Either they were too sick, just didn't have the time or didn't want to make some of the, the products um, right. that I was prescribing one of them, which was bone broth. And so we, my husband was a chef at one point in his career and we started making the bone broth just for my clients and selling it out of my office. And it caught on quite quickly. We would sell out every uh, week and then we started to sell out daily and realized that there was uh, a need for this. And so we launched it online initially and that grew to uh, retail um, it was a little bit of a challenge because our bone broth is frozen and I wanted to make sure that the product that we made was as close to homemade so you didn't have to do anything funky to the product to be yeah. able to put it on the shelf. Um, and so there was a period of trying to convince retailers that this is where real bone broth deserved a place on the shelf, which was in the frozen set. And so uh, we just continued to knock down doors and um, scale. We started in our kitchen in our home. We then uh, moved to a commercial kitchen where we rented space out of a commercial kitchen, eventually took over one of those leases, uh, started knocking down walls in that area and eventually grew out of that. And now we have two uh, different facilities where we produce our our product, one in Los Angeles and one in San Diego. Wow, nice. So uh, you already alluded to that, but um, you're a full believer in uh, the fact that food is medicine. How does that apply to uh, bone broth in this particular case? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's oftentimes I uh, food is medicine, and that was my mantra. And you know, it's unfortunately I believe that. You know, we've all used that terminology so often that we, it's, it's, it's almost become, um, we just kind of wash over that concept and that thought that medicine can absolutely be, or that food can absolutely be your medicine and it can reverse symptoms and, and disease. And so um, with bone broth, what I have found in my own life with my son, as well as my clinical experience, is that bone broth has a specific effect on the mucosal lining of the gut. So just to get a little scientific, up to 80% of our immune system resides in our gut. And when you heal the gut, you really do heal the rest of the body because you're supporting the, the, the foundation, the mainstay of your immune system. Mm-hmm. And so the immune system is foundational to every disease. And in fact, Hippocrates, the person who also coined the phrase that food could be your medicine, also coined the phrase that all disease begins in the gut. And right. he knew this 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 long ago and the reason is is because your immune system the majority of it resides in your gut so regardless of what you're dealing with whether it be any type of autoimmune disease when I worked in my practice you know I worked with so many autoimmune disease clients and the first thing I would say to them is you know show me your list of medication 
none of them supported the gut. 80% of their immune system was residing in their gut and we're trying to heal a, an immune issue and we're not even going and you know, supporting the place where 80% of that immune system resides. So for bone broth, um, we can get a little scientific and a little bit nerdy if you'd like to nerd out. Sure, sure, sure. Um, That's what so we, broth, we do nerdy. Let's get nerdy. So, so bone broth has, uh, when you take the bones of an animal, you cook them for long periods of time on a very slow simmer, and you add a chelating agent like apple cider vinegar. The apple cider vinegar will pull all of the nutrients, the collagen, the amino acids from the bones of the animal and dump them into the broth. The amino acids are the powerhouse of the bone broth. Most people think it's the collagen, and yes, they're, you know, it's a wonderful bioavailable source of collagen, uh, really one of the most bioavailable sources known to man because you're pulling it from bones of an animal, and that's very similar to, to where we store our, uh, our um, collagen. And so your body recognizes it quite easily and uptakes that collagen. But the powerhouse really is the amino acids, specifically an amino acid called L-glutamine or glutamine. Mm -hmm. And the reason the L-glutamine is such a powerhouse for the gut is because the, the cells in your gut that line the lining of your gut. So let's pretend this is your gut. You have this lining and that lining um, is lined by cells and these cells preferred favorite food and their fuel source is L-glutamine. Mm -hmm. And when you feed those cells L-glutamine, those cells react by uptaking that L-glutamine very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. It's very easily absorbed into the cells. And then the cells react by spitting out um, a, a, a type of, uh, like liquid. And um, what happens with that little bit of liquid that it, it kind of spits out the cell, it will kind of create this lining and this mucosal lining for that mucosal lining of the gut. So think of it as almost like a spackle, you know, when you're trying mm -hmm. to fill a hole or a crack in a wall, that's what's happening. And because most people have some type of leaky gut or little tears in the mucosal lining of their gut, which leads to inflammation and disease. Mm -hmm. This is this kind of repairing that mucosal lining of the gut. And that mm -hmm. is what we have seen the benefits of, of the bone broth. Yeah. And definitely in the medical establishment, they don't believe in any of that. Uh, for one thing, they don't learn anything about nutrition or, or very <laughs> tiny little. And uh, I, I'm, I've been surprised that even uh, amongst, especially dietitians, but nutritionists, bone broth is not thought as a healing element as well. Yeah. Uh, this, they use a lot of supplements, they use uh, you know, herbal medicine, but they don't use food. And this is, this is what I do in my particular practice, is I use only food as medicine. I don't use supplements, I don't use anything else. Um, and a lot of people have a hard time uh, understanding that. They just don't get it. They're so used to uh, popping pills and, and drugs and, and whatever. They're like, what do you mean food is medicine? And they, they give you this look and it's like, 
So um, it's important to remind people that good quality food should be the base of our diet. Not just as a healing element, just a preventative and just staying healthy. So you don't have to take all those medicines and supplements and this and that. What, what do you think? I, I agree completely. You're speaking my love language. I, you know, if you, if you, I always try to tell people to take a 30,000 foot view and remove their emotion uh, out of their process of healing um, and just their body. So if you take a 30,000 foot view of a human being, a human being, their body was created to be fueled and healed and energized by food. And we have the perfect remedy for healing, energizing, supporting, um, and just being well as a human. And that's food. All of the foods that have been put on this earth have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And when we can think of it like that, that this body is simply a machine and its fuel source or gasoline is food, yes. then you start to understand that food is the best source of medicine. When you think about what happens when you put food on your tongue, you put food on your tongue, it sends a neurotransmitter to your brain to start creating saliva, and it creates this beautiful cascade to start digesting your food. So the saliva helps you start digesting. Once the saliva comes in, your, your, uh, your gut will start creating uh, stomach acid, HCL, betaine hydrochloride, which we've been told is bad for us, right? Stomach acid is bad for you, and in fact, it's good for you. It starts digesting your food your pancreas will then, just because you've put food on your tongue, start kicking out enzymes that are gonna help you digest the carbohydrates and the sugars and the fats in that food. It's this beautiful cascade. And for us to think that when we put a pill or a supplement on our tongue that our body's gonna respond the same way is very foolish, hmm. very foolish. And yet that's what we've been told. And unfortunately, uh, we're lazy and we want to take the pill because the pill yeah. is easier. It's easier to source. It's easier to cook. It's easier to clean up after. Um, and we really have to go back to this idea of waking up in the morning, thinking of this body as a machine and how do I fuel it? Not only for today, but when I'm 80 and 89 and 90, what, what do I want to be like? And now is the time to do the work for what I'm going to end up like when I'm 80 and 90 years old. Now is the time to do that. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we are facing uh, a very powerful combination of uh, fast food, uh, food industry in general, uh, um, pharmaceuticals, medicine, that goes against everything we're trying to advocate here. Um, it is a battle, uh, but you found the right way to do it. I did, and it is a battle. And to your point, most of the research, the, any medical research or any really of the, the clinical studies 
anything that has to do with um, uh, research that that shows you how to be healthy um, or that would support any nutrition program. Much of that research is funded by pharmaceutical companies. So the medical community are being taught, uh, you know, through a different set of lenses and by a different agenda. And so it is, uh, it is unfortunate, but I think the beauty of the internet and social media and, you know, just my own story, what I shared 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of information on the internet. 12 years ago, there wasn't a lot of information on the internet. You know, five years ago, we didn't have Instagram. And I think that the beauty behind that is that we have a consumer that is more educated than they've ever been. They may not, you know, initially receive the best education there, but all they have to do is search a little, you know, they don't have to take a trip to the library and read volumes like I did. All they have to do is research a little bit and they have that encyclopedia at their fingertip. And so I think that we're making and starting to see major changes and strides. And that's very exciting. Yeah. I think that the people that created the internet didn't realize the revolutionary aspect of it when it came to uh, educating the, mm. the hoi poloi, so to speak, the, the peasants, the little people, uh, and which give us the power to fight back or to uh, sort of grassroots, um, was it, I was going to say grass bed, but it's uh, grassroots, grassroots <laughs> movement to resist and educate ourselves, resist and start uh, taking care of ourselves better without looking at doctors like godlike figures. You know, I question my doctor constantly. I mean, he knows, I told him I was an nutritionist and I even gave me, gave him a copy of my book. He knows I'm going to question everything he prescribes me uh, whenever there's a reason for that, which I rarely ever do. Um, so we need to let people know out there that it is okay to question your doctor. It is okay to ask, why do you want me to do this? What are the pros and cons? What are the side effects and what? And doctors are not used to be treated that way. They, 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 still in school they're taught that they're you know godlike figures and nobody should dare to question their their opinion right so i think the internet is helping everyone out there to have regained power over their own health uh in fighting off the the medical establishment when it's necessary now i understand that in some case, we have to have to deal with doctors. But, you know, if you follow my principle, which is prevention of a medication, then you should barely have to see a new doctor at all. What's your take on that? Absolutely. I, you know, when you think about um, the conventional medicine doctor, this, this doctor, first of all, let's not forget, they are, they're, it's called practicing medicine. <laughs> they are, that is what the doctor is doing. They are practicing medicine. Uh, and so we, we, it's really important for us to understand the education behind that. I'm not ever one that says that, you know, 
the doctors have it out for you and they, they have an agenda and it's only to put you on medication, but we can all have experienced, you know, our own education and we know what we know. We know what we've been taught and that's what they know. And they're busy practicing, you know, medicine. And so um, they're just practicing what they've been taught. Uh, Transversely, there are amazing uh, conventional doctors who are very forward thinking and have had patients like yourself and myself go to them and challenge them and their eyes have been opened and are open to exploring these different opportunities. I, you know, when I was in my practice, I worked with several doctors from UC Irvine and UC San Diego in the gastroenterology department. And when they had a, a, a patient that they would prescribe, you know, uh, either medicine or surgery to, many of them would say, look, there's an alternative. There's this nutritionist down the street that seems to be able to help people. (laughs) You might want to try her first. And uh, and we're very supportive of their their clients doing that. And in some cases, I I always share the story about uh, one gal that came to me. She was sent, she wasn't, uh, she she came to me because I was kind of her last uh, hope she was yeah, 40 years old and was told that she had to have part of her colon removed um, right. at 40 because she had advanced stages of Crohn's disease. And within a year, um, using food, um, high copious amounts of bone broth as well, she reversed all of her symptoms. And when they did a colonoscopy, she was told she had the colon of a teenager. Um, and so when doctors hear those types of amazing stories, they may not be able to walk you through the program, but they're more open to saying, uh, well, you know, try that and I'm going to support that. I think it's the doctors that don't do that, that I would suggest you need to find another doctor. You're not in the right hands. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. Moving on. uh, Let's talk about your products. Um, What uh, can you tell us about your line of products, uh, what they are, and then we'll move down the list to, um, so we'll start with the bone broth and we'll move on to the other products. Sure. So bone broth is still a new concept to many people. I think the word uh, bone broth is kind of scary for some people. Now, add on that you find us in the frozen aisle um, rather than the you know, down the dry aisle where most people are finding their soups and you've got something drastic. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, it's really kind of apropos that we're a frozen product because we do want you to think about what you're putting in your body differently. And that's kind of our charge. We're in the frozen set because we're different than what's on the shelf. So our first product, and I think you guys asked for some visuals. The first product is our, these are our, um, the first product that we came out with, which was a chicken and a beef bone broth. These chicken and beef bone broth that we've created were really originally, as I said, the same recipes in my practice. They're in these uh, stand-up pouches, which are BPA-free, and we cool the broth before they go into the packaging. Um, Mm. Our beef bone broth is grass-fed beef. Our chicken bone broth, our chicken uh, pasture-raised chicken, all organic ingredients, triple filtered water, apple cider vinegar, Selena brand Celtic sea salt, and some garlic and onion that I originally put in these recipes for medicinal purposes. 
Um, and then we've launched a couple of other lines, same bone broth. So we have a turkey and a frontier. Those tend to be a little bit more flavorful to the palate um, because we do add some herbs to, to these. And so these are across the United States um, in about 6,000 stores in the frozen section. Walmart has even carrying our bone broth now, which wow. is very exciting for people who have a challenge getting to other natural retailers. And so Walmart is a, a, a retailer that is very forward thinking and are understanding that people are looking for better for you products. Mm. Yeah. Are you, are you in Costco as well? Uh, we are not in Costco yet, um, but we uh, will be soon. Yeah. I'm surprised because typically Costco is the one that's more on the edge than uh, yeah. Walmart, right? Yes. Yeah. So, by the way, my my favorite is the Frontier broth. Oh, that's what I drank favorite. yesterday to help my stomach settle down. Um, I'm glad you had it on hand. Yeah. Well, you were nice enough to send me some samples. So great. Uh, you know, along so those lines, I always tell people make your own bone broth, but if you can't, we're here for you, and right. we are going to make it just like you do at home the longer cooking time, the proper bone to water ratio. We don't skimp, we don't add citric acid, we don't add anything to make this product shelf stable, which is why it's in the frozen set. Um, right, yeah. right. So you already mentioned that all your products are the highest quality, uh, organic and so on. Can you tell us about your never ever list of nano ingredients? Oh, wow. We do you have 12 hours. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the first few that come to my mind, um, which were being duped with in really so many products in the United States are citric acid, lactic acid, guar gums, carrageenan. And I mean, really, most of us will, can walk over to our, our refrigerator right now and into our pantry and you turn those ingredients around and we just slip those in there and we don't really understand the repercussions of those products on your gut lining. All right. four of those products are very difficult on the gut lining. Citric acid seems, sounds like something very, um, uh, it sounds like a product that could be wonderful. Maybe it comes from oranges. We don't know, right? Citric right. acid. And so the reality of, of, the chemicals and the, the deodorizing of those products to be able to put them into a food product is a very denatured process and has a detrimental effect on the gut. And so ingredients matter. The no-nos, the list of no-nos, I mean, from MSG to denatured oils, canola oil, um, some of the, you know, the, the denatured oils that, that, we, that, that we have, of course, sugars, um, none of that is in our products. In fact, that's one of the charges that led us to create our soup line. Um, we recently launched a soup line and, you know, Campbell's is struggling and we all know that that's not information that, um, that it isn't public, it's, it's out there. Campbell's has had a very difficult time connecting with the consumer. And my thought as not only a mom, a nutritionist and a business owner is people have not stopped eating soup. 
I don't believe that you would able, be able to speak to one person that hasn't said that they haven't had soup in the last three months. People right. didn't stop eating soup. They stopped eating store-bought soup because we're getting educated as consumers. And we know that those boxed soups and those canned soups that our parents uh, gave us when we were sick is just full of MSG, salt, yeah. junk, and flavorings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so my thought was people didn't stop eating soups. I'm seeing, you know, people all over the country posting about soups all year long, even on the summer and their recipes. And so let's create something for them. And so again, not to be too uh, brand related, but you did ask me to show, we created this new soup line in the frozen set. This soup has, uh, you know, uh, our bone broth as the base. So it's not just flavorings or water. So you're getting your bone broth in the product. But here's the other thing that you're getting. All organic ingredients here. All vegetables are organic. All the herbs, everything that goes into this product is organic. Um, and no citric acid, no gorgum. We freeze it. And so every ingredient that you read on the back, you can read the ingredient. You know what it is. And it would be the exact same things that you have in your refrigerator. So we have a line of soups, six different soups. And then of course our newest baby that we launched was our keto bone broth. Um, and that's our newest addition to our line. Oh, you jumped the gun. Uh, you, you already gone through my whole list of questions. Uh, <laughs> I've made your job easy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, by the way, the uh, mushroom soup is my favorite. So, oh, wonderful. So, you know, yeah, I love mushroom and I've, um, so keto broth, tell us some more about them and what makes them keto. Yeah. So we, you know, we understand keto is a craze. It's, it's, it's quite interesting to me because we've, you know, in my nutrition practice and in my study of nutrition 12 years ago, ketosis was not a trend, right? It, you know, mm -hmm. I understood that doctors since, you know, for 50 plus years have you been using a state of ketosis to um, treat epileptic, epileptic seizures. And yes. that's, you know, that's conventional medicine. Um, and so this idea of ketosis now being a trend and keto in my nutrition practice, keto was really a state of ketosis. It was always something we would put somebody into um, and then kind of move them out of it and then move more towards this low carb paleo plan. But the idea behind our keto broth, and again, you asked for visuals. So here it is. It's in a little convenient, ready to go cup. It's in the frozen section. If you're a person who uses the microwave, you can pop it in there. If you're not a person who uses the microwave, you can pop it on the stovetop. It's really up to you. Um, and so the idea behind the keto broth is it's the way that my husband consumes his bone broth. He makes keto broth every morning. So he takes his bone broth, he adds a little bit of turmeric uh, for inflammation. He yeah. adds either grass-fed butter, MCT oil or coconut oil, um, yeah. a little bit of lemon juice, and he whips it up and yeah. he drinks it every morning. And what we found was when we would sample this across the country, when we were doing demos, people would just stop in their tracks and say, what is that? Or, you know, or, can I buy that? And we eventually said, yeah, you can buy it. Let's put it in a cup for you to buy. Um, so it has 15 grams of good fat, 
the three fats that I talked about. Um, and it's our bone broth and it, that's the exact recipe. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Uh, on the, on the more controversial uh, subject, um, because that's what we are here. Um, I guess it's too bad for vegans and vegetarians. No? <laughs> yeah, poor vegans and vegetarians. You know, I, I work, I, I, when in my practice, I worked with a lot of recovering vegans and yeah. vegetarians. Um, they, they finally came, you know, to the dark side and saw that we actually are the light and the right side. Um, and, you know, I... I understand, you know, where many of them are, um, yes. and I really never take a seat of judgment. I take a practical seat, and that is that most of the people, actually all of the people that would come to see me that were vegetarian and vegans um, were very, very sick. And mm -hmm. the only way that I would work with somebody, I, I wouldn't work with somebody if they weren't willing to incorporate bone broth fish oil, eggs, and butter into their diet. And the reason was it wasn't a seat of judgment. It wasn't a place of, of morality for me. It was that I could not move the needle for you. I could not get you well if you wanted to heal through food, in my experience, unless you were willing to incorporate those things in. So um, that's my take. And, you know, we, the wonderful thing is, is that we uh, live in, you know, a, a free society. We get to choose um, and so God bless you if that's the choice that you've made. Um, but if you wanted to work with me as a clinical nutritionist, you would, you, you would have to, to do those things in, a, in order for us to move the meat needle. Um, we do have a lot of our vegan and vegetarian friends that will actually consume bone broth, which is quite interesting because when you think about what we've done with the, the bones and really just this supply chain, uh, most ranchers throw out their bones and most uh people are wasting you know the, the bones of the animal and we are utilizing the, those products that otherwise would be going to waste and so many vegetarians and vegans do consume bone broth because of that um they think that it you know that it it is helpful for the environment and that the ethical idea of the animal um uh, it kind of goes away when you're talking about it in in right. that respect. Yeah, it's a form of recycling. It is a form of recycling. In fact, when we started our bone broth business and we started to scale quite quickly, and we started to work with many of the the grass fed ranchers and the pasture raised chicken ranchers, we called them and they said, "What do you mean you want to buy our bones? We throw our bones away." And right. we said, yeah, we, we want to buy them and we want to buy them by the truckload. <laughs> yeah. So we've created this whole, you know, recycling program of what otherwise was going to waste. Right, right. Maybe one day I'll come over to your kitchen and see your operation. That'd be uh, probably amazing to, to see. We'd love um, that. Would you have a success story regarding I'm, I'm not trying to convince vegans and vegetarians out there most of them probably won't listen to the show anyway uh, but if there's a few um, can you tell us a success story with a, a vegan client sure I had a vegan client that came to me she was vegan for 40 years um, I'm not going to give her last name but no no of course enough she had the same first name as me, Sharon. Um, 
She was a beautiful soul. Um, she was referred to me because she was having uh, extreme health problems. Um, and her, she was finding her teeth were literally falling out. Wow. Uh, and she had been vegan, as I said, for about 40 years. She was in her 70s and had a, just a cascade of health problems. Hmm. And, you know, working with somebody that's recovering from, vegan, from being vegan and vegetarian is a slow process, twofold, because they, you have to change their taste buds. They haven't had meat in a very long time, and the concept of meat, it, it's not appealing to them. And so you have to start very slowly and bone broth is a wonderful way to, to start with them, to get them through the ideas of the flavors and what it's going to taste like. The second piece of that is their gallbladder isn't used to digesting all of that good animal fat. Most of them are, you know, most vegans and vegetarians are carboholics, right? And they are because they're carboholics, they have been using rancid products that have canola oil in it. And so they typically have some gallbladder issues. Their gallbladder is, has been asleep. So she had a gallbladder that had been asleep for the last 40 years. And we had to do a lot to support her gallbladder. And that's actually one area oftentimes where I do use a supplement um, to support the gallbladder for people who have a gallbladder that's been virtually shut down for 40 years. So it's a slower process working with vegan, vegans and vegetarians. I'm happy to say that Sharon really reversed 98% of all of her cascade of health effects, health issues that she was having. Um, we were able to remineralize many of her teeth. Um, mm. And so really this, this kind of recovery, but it took a couple of years and a lot of work on, on her part. And that's just one story of many. Right. Can you tell us about your special offer to our local paleo show listeners? We have two very special offers. The first offer is uh, when you go online to bonafideprovisions.com and you place an order and you put in the code LCPS, which stands for the Low Carb Paleo Show, you will receive 20% off of your shipping for the products that you put in your cart. The second offer that we have is uh, when you uh, go on to bonafideprovisions.com, place an order, and you put in the code LCP, low carb paleo, LCP, and then three, the number three, you will receive three free keto cups in that order. So two different fabulous offers um, for you to be able to try Bonafide Provisions products. Great. Excellent. Thank you for offering that to our listeners. Of course. Uh, looks like I'm done on this side, Mark. Um, well, just to reiterate, I mean, your, your um, website is bonafideprovisions.com. Are you on social media? We are on social media, and we would love for you to follow us on our Instagram account. We have amazing recipes, and we show you how to incorporate bone broth into everything that you make, even waffles in the morning. Wow. Um, 
Yes. It, so uh, that's also bona fide provisions on Instagram. So at bona fide provisions. Yeah. And it's B O N A F I D E, bona fide provisions. Super job. That's something that sort of struck me as we were, we were well, as you were talking as earlier on. It must take a, quite a long time to prepare a batch of um, broth. It creates a, a very long time. And I'll tell you what's happened is because it, it creates such a long time to make real bone broth and because there's so many companies that are jumping on the bone broth wagon, um, what we're starting to see across every store on the shelf is bone broth that's not bone broth. So there's no FDA regulation of what you call bone broth. Mm. So you can call a product bone broth and it not be bone broth. You can turn over the label and it can say bone broth. It could say chicken stock. It could say flavorings. It's still considered bone broth. And what we've recently found out is many of those companies are using a powder to start their product with. Some of the better known box companies actually start their process with a powder and then they add a few little bones and then simmer. So it, it is quite challenging. We, all of our bone broth is, is simmered for a minimum of 18 hours um, and never less than that. And because of that, it's been very difficult to um, be able to uh, really create this process. It's a very laborious process, which is why we do it, um, you know, in our own facilities. Excellent. I'm curious, though. I mean, the, the bones that you use um, are what the, uh, the ranchers considered to be waste. What do you do with the bones once they've uh, been cooked? Uh, you know, we cook them for the longer period of times, and they typically will disintegrate. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you get the full goodness out of the bones then, really? You do. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. One other thing that I found quite interesting is when you were talking about Sharon the vegan, um, you said you gave supplements to help support um, her gallbladder. What supplements did you give? Yeah, there is a particular supplement that I love, and specifically for a gallbladder. And so um, I, I use, this is one of my favorite supplements because so many people have issues with their gallbladder. And I believe it's because we've all grown up on rancid oils. I, I grew up with the canola oil and vegetable oil generation. Um, I was born in the you know, 1960s, 1966. So uh, you know, for the first 25 years of my life, I consumed those horrible oils and so hard on the gallbladder. So it's a product by uh, a company called Biotics Research. And it's called beta TCP, B-E-T-A, and then TCP. And basically what it is, is it's dehydrated, very highly concentrated dehydrated beets. And when you take beets in their purest form and you dehydrate them and you consume them at a very high concentrated level, unfortunately, you'd have to eat way too many beets to be able to get, you know, these sick gallbladders working again. This is where the supplement does work. Um, when you do this, it helps your, your gallbladder start to create the bile acids that are necessary to digest the fats. And it kind of retrains and supports 
your gallbladder. And so that, those are, that's an instance when I would use a supplement for, for those. And I, it's a wonderful product, one of my very favorite that I would use in my practice. Right. It's a food-based, it's also a food-based supplement, so it's not a food chemical. Based. Exactly, food-based supplement. This is all I take too, is uh, food-based supplements, uh, yes. fish oil and uh, blue-green algae and, and probiotics as well. Yes. So, I mean, with all those good quality ingredients going into your broths and your soups, I take it you don't need to sort of uh, make up for any um, lack of minerals or vitamins and things like that. It's all just natural stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's really the goal, right, for, for all of us to really not, not have to. I think that there are circumstances um, when you may have to do that, uh, you know, and really, really understanding where you're sourcing your food. Our food is so depleted from uh, minerals because of our soils. Also, many people in the United States have a reverse osmosis water system, and they don't remineralize their water. Um, and so with that, those are instances where sometimes you do have to take a mineral supplement because mm. you, you have the, that reverse osmosis water system and you're just far too depleted from the minerals to really be able to catch up um, with your food. Mm -hmm. mm. Now, when we've been chatting with um, other people who produce organic um, food and other products like that, they... I've often said it can be a, a challenge sometimes to find good suppliers. Do you find it fairly easy to get suppliers? Initially, it was a challenge for us because, as I said, many didn't have the step where you have to take the bones and then you have to process them and be able to ship them to us. So initially, there were some challenges, but not any longer because we are one of the uh, largest uh, uh, purchasers of bones in the United States. And so we work directly with our ranchers and farmers and we have uh, relationships that we've locked in um, and they know that they can rely on us to purchase and we know that they, we can rely on them to supply. So no, we don't really have issues with um, supply chain. Mm, excellent. But if, if there were any ranchers out there that sort of have a pile of bones left over at the end of the week, would you be interested? If they are able to ship large quantities um, and, of course, match the pricing, because our ultimate goal is always to make this affordable to the consumer, absolutely reach out to us. I have a question. If um, uh, We forgot to mention, we, we talked about the healing side of bone broth, but what are the actual benefits, meaning um, calcium uh, collagen, all of these good things, what do they bring to us as human beings? Yeah, so we talked about the amino acids, the collagen, it's the most bioavailable source of collagen. So think about, say, vitamin C. I'm going to give you this example. If your doctor tells you that it's good for you to take vitamin C, is it better for you to get that vitamin C from a kiwi? an orange or uh, a bell pepper, or is it better for you to take a pill? Well, arguably it's better for you to receive that vitamin C from food, unless there's a severe deficiency. It's the same thing with collagen. Is it better for you to take a collagen supplement that's in a powder form or a pill form? 
It's not innately bad. It's not a terrible thing for your body. But remember that we talked about this body being a machine that recognizes what? Food as its fuel source. So the most bioavailable collagen would be from bone broth. So you've got the collagen, you've got the amino acids, you've got 10 grams of protein per serving um, for the bone broth. And then you have a variety of minerals. The minerals are a, a very small amount in bone broth, believe it or not. Mm. However, the minerals are in its most natural form and they're together. So minerals have a synergistic effect. Minerals are actually supposed to be taken together. The sodium has an effect on the calcium and the calcium has an effect on the magnesium, how it's all taken up into your body. So taking a high dose of calcium without magnesium really does your body no good. Mm. When you take it in its whole food source form, you're taking much smaller amounts, but over time, the synergistic effect is better for your body. Very good, very good. Um, I have another one in the back of my head, but it's coming. Oh, well, I've got one. I've got one. Um, you've, you've not rested on your laurels. You've gone from sort of broths to soups to keto broths and all that sort of stuff. Um, any other products in the pipeline? Well, we always have products in the pipeline. Um, it's really just a matter of scalability and resources. Uh, as a nutritionist, I could literally walking up and down the grocery store aisle and create better for you products. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, 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 I think that opportunity is limitless. Um, I just need somebody to write me a billion dollar check in order to be able to do that. <laughs> so if any of your listeners <laughs> would like to do that. <laughs> yeah. So there, you know, there's, but yes, there's always wonderful things in the pipeline and, uh, hopefully we will be able to continue to to scale those ideas of really just bringing real food back into um, our homes that you could purchase if you don't have the time or the resources or the know-how how to make it yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's my question, my question popped back up. Uh, it came from the back to the front of my head. Uh, Perfect. It took a while. Uh, what I know that this is very beneficial to your business, but what do you think about the new bone broth diet fat, fat, diet fat? Yeah. Well, you know, the bone broth diet fat is something that I use to heal my son. Uh, you know, if you think about what I did was I incorporated bone broth into everything. Now there's many different versions of what that looks like. And there should be because any diet program needs to be specific to you as an individual. Um, and so incorporating bone broth into any type of diet program is a wonderful thing. I have found that not only in my personal life, but in my clinical nutrition um, and my experience. Um, and so everything in moderation, the key is moderation. You Bone broth is not the magic pill pill it's part of the puzzle and i always say that and it's very important do not drink bone broth and think that you can do nothing else <laughs> for your health you need to drink bone broth and you need to eat a variety of different vegetables and fruits and proteins and rotate those vegetables and fruits and proteins by colors and seasons same thing with your proteins and incorporate bone broth into that 
And now you have a meal program that's going to support healing and wellness. I am not a fan of using the word diet. I always use the word food program because diet conjures up something that the benefits really are more of weight loss. All of that will happen with this beautiful machine you call your body if you do everything in moderation and you approach your food program as a healing and a support for this machine. The, the pounds will literally fall off. Great. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear because um, there's some uh, quote-unquote famous people in the paleo keto world are pushing for these uh, bone broth diet, which um, to me don't sound balanced at all. Yeah, unfortunately, those same people, this bone broth diet, if you look at how they're capitalizing on the supplements that they're selling that have, you know, all of these crazy concoctions of, of bone broth that aren't even real bone broth, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, and so, again, the, it's not the magic pill. It's a piece of the, your puzzle. And you have to look at your puzzle as, as either a puzzle or a pie. I used to call it a pie. Of course, it's a no sugar, uh, you know, low carb pie full of organic ingredients. But it's a slice of that pie and you need to work on your emotional health and your physical health and then supporting this body through getting all the minerals and nutrients, proteins and collagen from your food. Now you've got an amazing diet that is going to take you into your 80s and 90s where you're able to walk and talk and function and love life rather than you know, being hooked up to machines and 20 different medicines that you have to take. Mm -hmm. Don't look at the short term. Th that, that's what happens when you look at the word diet. You look at the short term. Look at the yeah. long term. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should switch that uh, analogy from pie to quiche. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love it. Yes. Gluten-free, grain-free quiche crust. It sounds beautiful. Right. Right. <laughs> with a cup of bone broth on the side of course <laughs> okay mark any more no that's it from me oh no there was one other thing i mean you did mention earlier on that uh, you put apple cider vinegar um in your bone broth to pull out all the nutrients uh, i take it that's a key ingredient if people are making bone broth themselves at home it is add your apple cider vinegar you don't need a lot um, it will act like a chelator or a magnet, which will help pull all the nutrients, minerals, collagen, and protein from the bones of the animal. You know, we've heard of uh, societies that obviously didn't have apple cider vinegar, you know, a thousand years ago that would use some form of uh, acid. So things like lemon juice would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. It also help uh, dissolve the calcium in the bone. Yes. Absolutely. Super job. Well, that's it for me. I think we should do the close, Alan. Okay. Yes, sir. Here we go. Well, aren't you glad I didn't have to run to the bathroom? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of the show. Um, for $50, yeah. we could leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you can leave it there. Okay, we will. <laughs> Unless we accredit it to all the bone broth that he's been drinking. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> now you have you have proof now. Living proof. 
Um, okay, here we go. Thank you again, Sharon, for being on the Local Paleo Show. And as we say in Texas, à votre santé, y'all. See y'all later. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Sharon. It's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you for your time. And uh, I will send you a follow-up, I guess, Grace.